Alright everybody, how are you all doing today? Uh, Alright, time to get into some current events. So we're going to talk about, wow man, this, this is a, uh, a tough situation. Uh, I'm shocked really, to be honest with you, because this is something that is, uh, But this is Hollywood, so nothing really surprises me, all right? What happened to the video, <clears throat> skit Aries and Tiffany Haddish did. Aries Spears and Tiffany Haddish are in hot water and are accused of something disgusting, some disgusting acts of grooming underage kids and lewd acts. There's a skit called Mind of a, Mind of a uh, Pedo. Or through a pedo's eyes, which eventually funny or die posted. I've not seen, but apparently Eric Spears is the star of it. I have not heard funny or die in a long minute, but that's another story. Now, before we continue, Aries and Tiffany Haddish have pretty have a pretty storied history as comedians, and they have often pushed the comic meter to the limit. But those were the times, and they had plenty of inspirations in real life. People like Cosby and R. Kelly were accused of some pretty heinous stuff. Second of all, we have to ask ourselves, what in the world was Ari Spears and Tiffany Haddish thinking? Yeah, because I, I saw one clip of it when she was about to drop, uh, give the kid to Aries Spears to watch, and what I saw was pretty disturbing. They have to block out the kid. I, it's just like, what, what? Take the legal um, situation out of it. That was a crate. That was crazy. And if you read the accusations, even crazy. According to the law, this lawsuit, which is civil in nature, not criminal, suggests that they were they were thinking straight, inappropriate, nasty, and disgusting thoughts as it regards to two kids. The skit in question has been completely removed from the internet. Nobody I know has been able to find the skit. However, there are people that have seen it, and there's plenty of records on social media of people's reactions to the video. Because the video was 10 years ago or so ago, there is no screen saving or supremely viral distribution of the video that we would keep it out there. Uh, that one right there, I'm not even... I didn't want to see anymore. I don't... I don't know how that is comedy. I don't know. I really don't. Because I, anything involving kids, you have to be extremely careful about. I, if, if I was a comedian, I would never, ever involve kids in my skits. Ever. And if that means that I don't become a famous comedian, oh well. I never really liked Hollywood anyway because... Uh, what we already know about it now, the more and more you know about it, it's like, why? Why would I ever want to do it? Especially as a black person, because it's just a plantation. It's just entertainment-wise. It's just an entertainment plantation where you don't go high enough unless you wear a dress or do something against your masculinity. However, that hasn't, that only has added to the mystery of it all. Those that are following the lawsuits have shared the video with the media in private. Obviously, the disgusting nature of it all has caused it to still be under a rocking a, a locking key. I'm pretty sure it will come out though. The lawsuit presents Tiffany Haddish as the ringleader of on all of this, which is really interesting. I don't think Negro Damas 
looked into this year and saw that one of the most popular comedians will be accused of such a horrible act. I don't even think she's even funny, really. And then to be regarded to as the one trying to groom young people into lewd sexual acts is even crazier. By the way, Tiffany Haddish has asserted that she's innocent of all these charges. How now? Spears is another person. I think the dude has really a long stretch of history in comedy, but hasn't always gotten his respect. I'm not sure if that has made him cranky or, or deviant, but he has periodically gone at black women and become a source of dislike from a lot of people. At any rate, when that Mind of the Pedophile video came out, it was disgusting. There was a contingency of people that felt like it was funny, but most people that commented on it when it dropped in 2013 regarded it with disdain. If so, what kind of mind repeatedly does skits that deal with pedophilia or rape? I don't know, man. I, I, this, this is... I don't know. I am simply asking the question. By the way, Ari Spears has also asserted that he is innocent through lawyers. They have regarded this as a shakedown in an attempt to extort money from them. All this begs the question, how will this impact their careers? This has yet to be seen. Tiffany Haddish seems to have the most to lose because she is a mega star. Most recently, I saw her in the unbearable weight of a massive talent, really, that she was great. More on this. Also, I present that time... Ari Spears got bombed on. I hope he's not going to jail. My thing is like, how is Tiffany Haddish actually funny? I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't see her as funny. I mean, years ago, I saw a skit about her. You know, on a no, on a comedy club, and no one was laughing. I don't see her as funny. I don't. I saw a video of photographers trying to get a teen boy to sit on Bernie Mac's lap, and he did not allow any of that. This is new generation of black communities all sold out to Luciferians. I believe it. I believe it. Okay? Because a lot in order to be in, in entertainment, right? Like hip-hop. No black entertainer owns hip-hop. Okay? Yeah, you have to understand. They don't. Hip hop is not owned by black artists. It's not. Okay. It is not. Those of you who understand what I'm saying, you know that it's not owned by black by black artists. All right. It's simply not. It's a plantation. All right. And if you want to get a, and if you want to get ahead, you're gonna have to do some really um, dehumanizing acts to yourself. You're really gonna have to degrade yourself. Okay, it's it's buck breaking. That's just how it is. All right. But on to the next story. <clears throat> Here we go. Sad to say about the CFO Bed and Body Bed Bath and Beyond executive. He he shouldn't have been doing what he was doing, man. That's all I gotta say. And he was facing lawsuits. I mean 
That's all I could tell you. You shouldn't have been doing that. You just shouldn't shouldn't have done it. But let's get into his story. It's sad because he leaves, leaves behind a wife and kids. Arnold, the chief financial officer of the household goods retail chain Bed Bath & Beyond, died after falling from his apartment in New York. But the New York City Medical Examiner's Office has ruled that his death is a case of suicide. On Friday, Arnold was found near his residence in the Tribeca area and emergency medical officers pronounced him dead on the spot when they reached him. The New York Police Department has said that he appeared to have suffered from injuries that indicated that he actually fell from a considerable height. The Bed Bath & Beyond released a statement on their website saying that they were profoundly saddened by his loss. The Arnold joined Bed Bath & Beyond as a CFO in 2020. He was previously the CEO, CFO for cosmetics chain Avon. And he also worked at Procter & Gamble for about 20 years. Bed Bath & Beyond has been facing financial troubles for quite a while. The Arnold had discussed the company's finances with his investors on Wednesday. The chain announced that it was going to cut about 20% of its workforce and closed as many as about 150 shops. Now, according to reports, Arnal had sold around 55,000 shares of the company on the 16th of August and on the 17th of August. As part of the trading plan, he had also signed in the month of April, and this was is a case that is presently being investigated. Well, that, that's what happens because he was doing illegal dealings and those things caught up to him and he realized that uh, um, if he goes to trial, he'll be ruined. He'll be utterly ruined. And a lot of these guys, they get greedy and they do these type of things. But... During this recession, you'll be surprised what a lot of people will be doing for money just to get something out of what's going on. And a lot of people are going to get exposed as well. So there's going to be a lot of suicides from high executives this year, probably. Mark my words, I would not be surprised. Okay? It's getting bad out here. That's all I can say. It's getting bad out here. Now, Canada got a, a weird problem going on with Canada, though. You know, there's a lot of stabbings. Okay? And the people who are doing it... Hmm. I got, I got to ask some questions about it. Guess what type of questions I'm going to ask about it. Guess. Just want you to know, guess. Just take a look at them. What type of questions would I ask about this uh, stabbing, about these two fine chaps? And 15 injured in mass stabbing incidents in Canada. The Canadian police are still tracking down the two prime suspects. The stabbings took place in Canada's Saskatchewan province. They 
took place across 13 crime scenes. The incident is one of the deadliest in modern Canadian history. An official of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police released the following statement. At this point in our investigation, we have located 10 deceased individuals in 13 locations in the community of, of James Smith Cree Nation and Weldon, Saskatchewan. Several additional victims have been injured, 15 of which at this point have been transported to various hospitals. There may be additional injured victims who transported themselves to various hospitals. The first stabbing incidents were reported around 5.40 a.m. local time on Sunday. The reports came from James Smith Cree Nation and the village of Weldon. James Smith Cree Nation is an indigenous community of close to 3,400 people. Weldon is a village of about 200. After news of the attacks broke, the nation's elected elders declared a state of emergency and established two emergency operation centers. A statement by indigenous leaders suggested that the violence could be drug-related. They said, and I quote, this is the destruction we face when harmful illegal drugs invade our communities. End of quote. After the stabbings, three helicopters... I knew it. I knew it. You know what question I'm going to ask. How is your... What's your immigration policies like? That's what i like to know. What are your immigration policies like? Are you against illegal aliens? It looks like these people got in illegally. You know, that's how I see it. You just have your your borders open and you just let them in. No real checking, no real background history. See if they're criminals. What do they have to offer to your country? All that's important good stuff you're supposed to do. ...were dispatched to the remote communities to transport victims and bring a doctor to the scene. The suspects are Damien and Miles Sanderson... Canadian officials released their photos, but did not give details about their motives, nor details of the victims. Currently, we are actively looking for the two suspects, helping the victims and investigating the many crime scenes. We're dedicating a maximum number of resources to this investigation and thank our many provincial and interprovincial policing partners who are providing additional support. Let me be clear, we are still looking for the two suspects. We are asking residents across Saskatchewan and our neighboring provinces to be vigilant. At this stage in our investigation, we believe some of the victims have been targeted by the suspect and others have been attacked randomly. The suspects were reportedly sighted in the regional capital of Regina, which is 320 kilometers south of, the, of where the stabbings occurred. After this sighting, the alert and such area expanded to the neighboring provinces of Manibota and Alberta. Canada's Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has tweeted his condolences and said that his office is monitoring the situation closely. Trudeau also said the government was in communication with the James Smith Cree Nation's leadership and they were ready to help in any way they could. This is really his fault, though. You know, his immigration policies. This is all his fault. The way he's lax with... I mean... Ugh.
10 people have been killed and 15 injured in a mass stabbing incident in Canada. The Canadian police are still tracking down the two prime suspects. The stabbings took place in Canada's Saskatchewan province. They took place across 13 crime scenes. The incident is... My thing is this. How is it that, you know... How are you able to get this done? How are you able to just mass stabbings? What is your police like? How do they handle things? That's all I have to say. How, how do they handle things to let it get this far? Stabbings, not shootings, stabbings. It's one of the deadliest in modern Canadian history. An official of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police released the following statement that said the first stabbing incidents were reported around 5.40 a.m. local time on Sunday. The reports came from James Smith Cree Nation and the village of Weldon. James Smith Cree Nation is an indigenous community of close to 3,400 people. Weldon is a village of about 200. After news of the attacks broke, the nation's elected elders declared a state of emergency and established two emergency operation centers. Our statement by indigenous leaders suggested that the violence could be drug-related. They said, this is the destruction we face when harmful illegal drugs invade our communities. After the stabbings, three helicopters were dispatched to the remote communities to transport victims and also bring a doctor to the scene. The suspects are Damien and Miles Sanderson. Canadian uh, officials released their photos but did not give details about their motive nor details of the victims. The suspects were reportedly cited in the region. Indigenous community? Why don't they have resources like hospitals there? And... Um personnel that could deal with what's going on why do they have to be airlifted there's a lot of issues here i see with canada all right it's repeating itself i just allowed the story to repeat itself because i had some questions that's all all right that's that's how i saw it okay it's a sad story right here It's a sad, sad story, but uh. all right. Here's one here. Step brothers about to do life. New details in the case of a 10-year-old girl found dead in Saginaw. Her stepbrother has been arraigned and charged with murder in the case. TV5's Lenita Brooks is here with the latest. Lenita? The stepbrother of the 10-year-old girl who was found dead in an abandoned lot near her home just hours after being reported missing has been charged in her murder. Hey, hold on a minute. Yeah, I'm going to answer your question. Yeah, I, I know. They do damage fast, but... Just one after the other, no, no, no manhunt, nothing. I, 15 people that fast, that's what I'm saying, that quick. And plus, the town looks kind of backwards, no real modernization. I just have a lot of questions. Why isn't that town, why is, does, 
the town don't look up to date. That's all I got to say with resources, EMS, surveillance cameras. It doesn't look up to date, and that should not be if Canada is such a well-to-do country. The suspect has been identified as 14-year-old Damian Peterson. Peterson was arraigned on Wednesday, August 31st, on one count of open murder. He is being charged as an adult. The cause of death remains unclear as the prosecutor's office is awaiting results from the autopsy. The, the Myla Turner Moore was last seen after being sent home with her stepdad the day before she was reported missing, and her mother was in the hospital at the time for surgery. Moore uncle says he wonders what really happened. She was never missing. She was never missing. She hadn't left the house. The superintendent of Saginaw Public School says that Nomila was a fourth grader at Stone Elementary School, where she was said to be a leader and liked by her peers, adding that she will be greatly missed. Peterson is set to appear in court September 14th. Lanita Brooks, WNEM, TV5. Killed by her stepbrother. You... So you ladies pick... Some of you ladies picked the most horrible men to have kids with just horrible that that's how i see it just horrible you get mad at me all you want i don't care you're victim blaming no, I, i'm not i'm not blaming the little girl i'm blaming the mother there are things you could have seen about this man how you know when you want to date a man date somebody with that has kids if you're a single parent you didn't know a single parent. You better watch how they treat their kids. Do they discipline their kids? Okay? This is why single people don't want to date people with, who are single parents. Because sometimes those kids are not disciplined. And you can't discipline those kids if they act out of pocket with you. Okay? That's the thing. Now here's an interesting story right here from Nigeria. Let's get into it. Hard Talk Radio live in 4K. New advertising law in Nigeria, TV commercials using foreign models and voiceover artists will not be allowed on local television in the country from October this year. The man who heads the body regulating advertising in Nigeria is defending the new law. We have over 300 million pieces of models in Nigeria. These are every one of us in Nigeria. We have over 200 voices in our country. Are you saying none of those voices is good enough to market the product? That we need to import voice from other countries to market. The new law has been welcomed by Nigerian voiceover artists. They say it will boost the ever industry and create more opportunities while protecting local talents. For me and for the association as a whole, it's a welcome development that at last the government is beginning to listen to us and bring the things are going in the right direction. So this now, what is going to happen is that there will be a, a, a thrust up of talents who, before now, they have a platform to express themselves, so it's going to provide a lot of platforms now. First of all, and most 
I don't have a problem with this at all. I don't. I really don't. This is basically group economics. All right. The Jews practice that in New York, especially. Indians practice this. Asians practice this. Whites practice this. Okay. Hey, you got a, a town in Urania, a town in South Africa called Urania. Okay. They have an all-white town. Okay. I don't see a problem with this. Okay. Every other ethnic group can do this except when it comes to black people, people get mad. <clears throat> okay. I'm not pro-black. But I see that this is good for a community because you keep money circulating within your community. Okay. Within your ethnic group. Okay. And I think African Americans could benefit a lot by doing that. But of course, you know, they would have to understand and, uh, <clears throat> now let, let me put it this way. All right. This is what's happened already in the African-American community. All right. You have, unfortunately, you have the mainstream media's, uh, version of black people from the black community. Basically they wear weaves, you know, no, no problem if you wear weaves, that's your thing. Okay. But, you know, the loud mouth attitude, you got to be a gangster, you got to be, um, or you got to have, uh, you got to be alphabet, you know, if you're a black man, they don't show that masculinity, all right? In order for blacks in America to take that back, they're going to have to go back, they're going to have to be very much um, into group economics, okay, for black people who are not for being pro-black, fine. Okay? I'm not pro-black, but I am for it. I am for it. They could do that. Okay? That will help the black community. Okay? Of course, there will be a fight because um, blacks spend a lot of their money into other ethnic groups and other um, business ventures. So there will be a fight, of course, in, in America. <clears throat> but Nigeria, Nigeria, I don't have a problem with what they're doing. I think it's a good thing. Because it would help them to be creative. It would help them to keep money within their communities. They could use that money to help their communities and to thrive. Not a bad idea at all. 
It's not. And anybody who tells you it's wrong, don't even listen to them because they practice the same type of group economics. That is what they do. Well, we got some simping going on here. Simp, simp, simping. Oh, man. It's just that simping. Here we go. One second. these brothels man these brothels just getting shut down left and right I'm happy about it here we go brothel out of a Las Vegas home a Metro police report says Heng Van Ho and Yushiyang Xion also faces charges for living off the earnings from prostitution money law two Asians two Asians are doing this okay and pandering. And anchor Abel Garcia joins us live in front of the home near Decatur and Flamingo. And Abel, I know you spoke with neighbors about this. What do they have to say? Yeah, most certainly, Trish. I mean, when you take a look at this home, you wouldn't really think much of it. But these neighbors that we're talking to are saying they would have never expected something like this to happen. Right here. Now, of course, they see that many cars come and go throughout this area, but they never would have thought a brothel would just be a few doors down from their home. From the outside, it looks like just another home in the neighborhood. But during the span of two weeks, police say 196 men went in and out of this house. According to a Metro Police report, this captured the attention of many, and police received a tip. Detectives say the home near Decatur and Flamingo was being used as an illegal brothel. This is Las Vegas, so it's hard to be surprised on some of these things that happen around here in town. Two adults, one man, and one woman were arrested on August 17th. Base charges of running a brothel, pandering, living off the earnings of prostitution, and money laundering. Police say the two property owners lived at another home in the southwest part of town, but brought sex workers to this home. Police surveillance video shows the owners were bringing groceries, and the workers inside would rarely exit. Martin Ostrowski lives just a few doors away. While he says he has seen many cars parking on his street, he would have never expected this to happen here. Well, if it's a brothel, there's probably drugs involved over there as well. And, you know, so that's not good. There's a lot of little kids that, there's a half a dozen kids that live right here. Police say a patrol officer stopped a man leaving the home in a Ford pickup truck. The report says he was at 4705 Via San Rafael, where he paid an Asian female $200 for full service. The pickup driver said he responded to an ad on Craigslist. The new United States Attorney for the State of Nevada, Jason Frierson, says this is not what Nevada should be known for. I think that there are going to be opportunities for us to make it clear that Nevada is not a safe haven for sex trafficking, and we don't want... But you made it legal for prostitution, so what do you think people are going to do? All right, what do you think people are going to do? when it came to this and where times are hard we're in a recession people always think well it's good it's good no it's not no it's got legal legalizing prostitution always has a backlash
part of what, what folks come to the state for. The police report says that based on the surveillance video, men went in and out of the home between July 7th and July 21st of this year. Ostrowski, he says he's considering moving. I can't believe it. I, I haven't noticed the traffic because I just don't pay attention. And back out here live, we just went from door to door talking to these neighbors, and they say they are so shocked to have this so close to them. They're even very concerned about their own families. And, of course, they're just so thankful to have those two owners of this property now behind bars. Now that, that court hearing is slated for September 7th, and, of course, we'll continue to follow this story more here on air and online. I mean... Yo. <laughs> oh, man. Are these voters are these voters supporting sex work because this is what you will get yeah this is what you're gonna get because sooner or later because i was reading about what's it called again um in new york um i forgot what it was called but it's a website basically saying that they're not only working to make sex work legal but they're also working to a point you know it, it's gonna get to a point where they could they could legally have they're legally gonna have relations with kids. It's going to go that far, okay? That's what's going to happen. This is just, this is going down into the gutter. It hasn't happened yet, but you could easily look at the Alphabet Mafia when it comes to, you know, wanting marriage, the Alphabet Mafia wanting to adopt kids, the Alphabet Mafia now is, you know, in Germany, the Alphabet Mafia has a part of them called the Zoo Mafia. The Zoo Mafia wants the right to bang Bambi. So I'll put it that way. They want to bang Bambi. That's what they want to do. You can look it up. And they want to add the letter Z to the gang now. I ain't lying. I ain't lying. All right. next what's next all right hold on uh, one second okay yeah 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 so um january 6th right they have this guy named uh brandon s kavanaugh Brandon Scott Kavanaugh. All right. And this dude, you know, they like to play that MAGA, you know, Republicans aren't don't have racists in the party. Um Yeah, they do. They do. People like to lie. <clears throat> But they do. And this guy worked for NASA. That's another thing, too. I'll show you his face first. Hold on. Yeah, here we are. Here we are. Right here. 
This is him. Okay. Huntington Beach man was arrested Thursday in connection with the breach of the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Brandon Kavanaugh, 30, was arrested in Huntington Beach after a warrant was issued nine days earlier. The charges against him include knowingly entering or remaining in any restricted building or grounds without lawful authority, disorderly and disruptive conduct, and the restrictive building grounds. <clears throat> He's in the Capitol building and parading and demonstrating or picketing in the Capitol building. According to the federal complaint filed August 16th, the FBI identified messages attributed to, Canada, to Kavanaugh in a private telegram chat while executing a search warrant on a different Capitol riot suspect. The contact was saved in his phone as Brandon H.B. Groyper, and the cell phone matched not the cell phone number matched Kavanaugh's according to the report. He is alleged to have sent two graphic violent messages, one which used racist language, was sent in March of 2021, and the other in June, according to the FBI agent's affidavit. Okay. The unidentified agent wrote in the report the term Groyper meant the person was part of the first of America's first movement. Groypers believe they are defending against the demographic and cultural changes that are destroying the true America, a white Christian nation. That makes me want to laugh. A white Christian nation. When you came over from Europe, okay, and you enslaved other people, okay, it's hilarious when people try this crap. It really is. And then you have uh, black people on the Republican side that really don't say anything. Or they just go along with it. Or they ignore it. Okay. It's basically like Trump basically emboldened these types of people who are already in the Republican Party. Okay. Make America great again. Does Trump silence these people? I want, I don't know. Does he? A white Christian nation, the agent wrote. Groypers attempt to normalize their ideology by aligning themselves with Christianity and traditional values such as marriage and family. Christians aren't white supremacists. Kavanaugh also allegedly posted a government work ID in the chat. His LinkedIn page states he is the founder he is the founder, CEO, and lead engineer of a technology company, and he has also worked as an intern at NASA at 2019. This is him right here. Affiliation contractor. Investigators found that Kavanaugh flew to Washington, D.C. with another person from January 4th to January 7th, um, January 7th, 2021, staying at a hotel in Virginia, Video surveillance, witness interviews, and other steps <clears throat> established that on January 6th, Kavanaugh was inside of the U.S. Capitol for 13 minutes. A man identified by law enforcement as Kavanaugh is pictured on surveillance video wearing a black leather jacket, blue plaid shirt, a blue plaid shirt, red beanie, and carrying a large blue AF America First flag. The FBI agent wrote that Kavanaugh also bragged about it on the live streaming. Wednesday, I'm sorry, on website on January 6th and 7th, an account that investigators connected to Kavanaugh posted HB Local in D.C. right now. And hey, HB Groper, here, I just got back from the Capitol I got inside. Kavanaugh is one of the several Orange County residents that have been connected with the January 6th breach. 
of the Capitol last December, Huntington Breach. Huntington Beach resident Mark Simon was sentenced to 35 days incarceration and ordered to pay $500 in restitution by a federal judge. Okay. Now, um, this is the stuff that he wrote, that he said on the telegram. This is the stuff that he said. This is the stuff that was that he said. <clears throat> Facts related to Brandon Scott Kavanaugh. Good. Glad you guys see it. Alright. <clears throat> On October 22nd, 2021, the FBI identified a private telegram chat called We Who Noose. We Who Noose. <clears throat> On the phone of a different capital riot suspect pursuant to a judiciary authorized search warrant. In March and July of 2021, a Telegram user with the ID uh, 15604535572 expressed a desire to kill black people. The Telegram user with the UID 15604535572 was saved in the contact list as Brandon H.B. Groper. On March 7th, 2021, Brandon H.B. Groper wrote, I honestly want to kill all black lovers, um, black people lovers, and ruthlessly cut their chest open, rip out their hearts, and eat it. On July 30th, 2021, Brandon H.B. Groper wrote, I am done with words, I want blood, ha ha ha. Man, only in my dreams would I ever get this much satisfaction. Maybe that's why I like it so much. Hmm. I know based on my training and experience that the term Groper refers to being a member of America First Movement. Groper's believe that they are defending against the demographic and cultural changes that are destroying the true America, a white Christian nation. Groper's attempt to normalize their ideology by aligning themselves with Christianity and traditional values. Yeah. Brandon, <clears throat> Brandon H.B. Groper also provided the below photograph of himself in the private Telegram chat, according to the Kavanaugh's LinkedIn profile. I read this already. Ah, oh, man, this guy's a whole clown. Clown, clown, clown. Clown, 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 clown. That is, that, he, that is who he wants to be. All right? And a lot of these people, you know, complain, you know, about, uh... How they can't get jobs now because they participated in January 6th. Like, I'm, we're supposed to feel sorry for you. Absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Okay. Not feeling sorry for you in the least. Court rules that the uh, gender dysphoria is covered by Americans with Disabilities Act. A huge win for <clears throat> the Transformer people. Wow. Federal Appeals Court ruled Tuesday that people who experience gender dysphoria are protected under the Americans with Disabilities Act, handing a major win to Transformer people, according to the Alphabet Mafia Rights Advocates. 
the first of its kind ruling reverses a Virginia district court's dismissal, claiming um, dismissal of claims brought by a transformer woman who alleged discrimination when she spent six months at the Fairfax County Adult Detention Center. Keisha Williams, who had been receiving hormone replacement therapy for nearly two decades, was wrongly incarcerated in a men's detention facility and denied access to medical treatment for her gender dysphoria, a term defined by the American Psychiatry Association as a psychological distress that results from an incongruence between one's sex assigned at birth and one's gender identity. Yeah. She also faced persistent harassment by other inmates and prison deputies, according to court documents. In 2020, Williams sued Fairfax County Sheriff Stacey Kincaid, as well as two other people connected to the prison, saying that her treatment was a violation of the ADA. Hmm. Williams appalled, arguing, I'm sorry, appealed, arguing that the language was outdated. The ADA was initially adopted in 1990, while the term disorder was replaced with dysphoria in 2013 in an update of the APA Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Last year, a friend of the court brief co-authored by the, um, by GLAD and the National Center for Thespian Rights presented scientific research arguing that the ADA prohibits discrimination based on gender dysphoria and requires that the treatment of people with disabilities must be based on the reasoned and medical sound judgments. This right here is going to have a lot of correction officers wanting to just quit their jobs because um, there's a lot of things that have to be, you know, done, let's say in a medical emergency, right? And this has happened. This happened in Britain. Okay. Uh, A transformer man came to the doctor for help. Okay. And what happened, they couldn't figure out what was the problem until it was too late. What happened was is that the transformer man was pregnant. The baby died. And they were trying to go by pronouns. See what's going on here? Another is the issue of the fact that you're letting these transformers into female prisons. There have been numerous stories of sexual assault, numerous stories of women becoming pregnant. But unfortunately, that's not getting known. That's not getting attention. I don't know why, but you're putting women in danger as well. That is the problem. On Tuesday, the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fourth Circuit reversed the lower court's dismissal. In some, we hold that Williams has plausibly alleged that gender dysphoria does not fall within the ADA's exclusion for gender identity disorders, not resulting from physical impairments. The ruling said, this is a huge win. Jennifer Levy, a Transformer Rights Project director for GLAD, said in a statement, there is no principal dis- per- reason to exclude transformer people from our federal civil rights laws. This opinion goes a long way toward removing social and cultural barriers that keep people with treatable but misunderstood medical conditions from being able to thrive. Thrive how? Shannon Mickner, NCLR's legal director, also celebrated this historic ruling, saying that the decision sets a powerful precedent that will be important for other courts considering this 
critical issue. A lot of people are going to get hurt. A lot of females are going to get hurt. Female inmates are going to get hurt in prison. That's what's going to happen. And it's sad. It really is. Because in prison, you really you don't you don't get that much help. Okay? And I could imagine, you know, what goes on in California prisons. sad state of affairs. It really is. A really sad, ugly state of affairs. And it's sad. Alright, that's all I got for today. Um, pretty much done. If you like the content here, you can look into the description box of this channel and you could find out more information. Okay? Um, like, share, comment, and subscribe. Later.